0: So it just so happens to be that the night before I'm going to preach, everything I could possibly worry about comes flooding into my brain. And so I'm going to be preaching to myself today. Is that okay? Just one other announcement, and that is on Good Friday. Hi, Jody. On Good Friday, uh, April 19th, We are going to have a good Friday service here at 6 o'clock. It's going to be a short service. It's going to be very unique. Um, Joe's going to play the guitar, and Pastor Gary is going to sing for us. Just just kidding. But, But no matter how tired you are Friday from work, I think if you come, you're going to leave uh, refreshed, at least spiritually. And so and if you would like to fast uh, a meal that day, I would encourage you to do so. There's just something about fasting that, that intensifies our dependence on God and, and gives us to, uh, brings us to a, a lower place of hum- a better place of humility. And so uh, we would just invite you to come out. Um, So two weeks ago, I opened my sermon with a story of driving my kids to school in my wife's car. The, The front right tire went flat, pulled over in front of a nursery. It was raining. I changed it out to the spare, which was flat. Well, then last week, Pastor Gary opens his sermon sharing about how the front right tire on his car recently went flat and how he put his spare on and his spare was flat. But then he He said how it happened in his driveway, so all he had to do was go into his garage to fill up his compressor to fill up his tire. Not sure if he was rubbing it in or not, but I've I've been waiting for a week now to tell you that when I was staring at my flat spare tire, calling AAA, a guy from the nursery comes out, and he says, hey, I have a compressor. Would you like me to fill it up? To which I hung up on AAA and responded, yeah, that would be great. So just to let you know, I didn't even have to go into my garage. <laughs> a compressor was brought out to me. There was, there's a man in our, our story this morning, our Bible passage, who desperately needed something. But it wasn't an air compressor. It wasn't AAA. He needed somebody who could heal his daughter who was dying. His 12-year-old, his only daughter. In a culture where if you had children, it was rare that all of them made it to adulthood. So maybe he's even already lost some children. And so he's in a place of desperation, and let's look at what happens starting in verse 21 of Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 21, and I'm going to read from the New International Version. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side, so this is Jesus, remember, Jesus went through the, there was the storm two weeks ago, Jesus crossed over to the, to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, to the land of the Gerasenes, heals a demonic, uh, a man possessed by demons, gets back in the boat, now he's crossing back over to Galilee. So when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. So Jairus is this uh, a leader of a synagogue. And a synagogue wasn't so much as of a local church as it was of a community center. So yes, they would read the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, and the Old Testament prophet books, at the synagogue, but the synagogue also doubled as a schoolhouse for children. Also, it was a place to distribute charity. It was a place to have communal meals. It was a place to have political meetings. And if you were a sojourner, you were traveling, and you didn't have a place to stay the night, you could bed down in the synagogue. And also, maybe it was a place where Jews would sing a hymn or two. And so Jairus had influence. He had connections and he had resources, but he didn't have the power to heal his daughter. And if he was the synagogue ruler of Capernaum, which he could very well have been, he maybe he was there, as we learned in Mark chapter one, when Jesus was in the Capernaum synagogue and there's a man possessed with a demon and Jesus delivers that man. And if he wasn't there, if Jairus wasn't there, maybe he was in the house in Capernaum when it was so crowded and the outside, the doorway was so crowded that four men lowered their friend, their paralyzed friend, through the roof of the house to Jesus. And if he wasn't there, maybe Jairus just simply saw Jesus laying hands on the sick and them getting better. But at least Jairus heard about the power, about the presence, and about the person of Jesus Christ. And with that faith he gets, He goes and he humbly falls at Jesus' feet and he says, Jesus, please just come to my house, lay your hands on my daughter, and she will be healed and she will live. And Jesus goes with him. And so my first point is that when all else fails, Jesus. When all else fails, there's Jesus. And... If, you know the, And so Jesus goes with the man. He's going to the house. And on the way, somebody comes and says, no, 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 your, your, your daughter has died. She's expired. And what does Jesus say? He says the same thing he says to the disciples in the boat during the storm. He says, don't be afraid. Just believe. Because remember, fear is our natural state, but faith pushes out fear. And Jesus is like, listen, Jairus, I'm here. I'm with you. Do not be afraid. Believe in me and my power. And Jesus goes to the house. And according to the other gospels, he takes uh, Peter, James, and John and the mother and the father of the girl into the house. And Jesus picks up her limp hand and he says in Aramaic, he says, little girl, I say to you, get up. <gasps> Her lungs fill with air. She comes back from eternity into humanity because when all else fails, Jesus. But there's a story within this story. There's an intersection of two stories as Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house to heal this daughter at the, at the, at the, around the same time that Jairus' daughter was born, there's a woman in whose body was born a hemorrhage. And she started bleeding and she bled for a week. And she bled for another week. And another week. And she kept bleeding for a month and not just a month, for three months, and then a year, and day after day after day for 12 years. Could you imagine by the time that happens, you want to own that? It becomes a part of you. When you go through stuff for a long, does it become a part of you? And she knows what brokenness feels like. And she knows what the death of her dignity feels like. Because in that culture, if you were bleeding, you were not allowed to touch anyone. And they were not allowed to touch you. You were unclean. In fact, according to the Talmud, blood was the major cause of disease, they thought. And she's, so her her despair is going up and her dignity is going down for 12 years. Verse 25, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. And by the way, Mark doesn't even have a name for her because she's just at this point a nobody. She doesn't have influence or resources. She's maybe lost some connections. She's been unfriended on Facebook. Verse 26 says, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. I remember when I was, I went to my pediatrician when I was a kid and I was sitting in the waiting room and you know, you don't want to get a shot. And so all I kept thinking about was the lollipops on the table and I was going to get one on my way out. And the nurse opens the door and calls my name. And she leads me back down this hallway into this room. And, you know, she pulls out that crinkly paper. She replaces it on that, that blue vinyl bench. And I sit, sit down. I, I try not to move because it makes the crinkly sound, you know. When you... And she said these words that I never wanted to hear. She said, the doctor will be right in. And she closed the door. And I remember looking at this wall. And there was like a picture on the wall except it wasn't a picture it was a picture frame and in the picture frame was like a poem and so i, I started to read it and it said what are girls made of and i thought i don't know what are girls made of? if anyone knows it's a doctor and so i read on it said sugar and spice and everything nice and i heard a blood sugar but spice and everything nice i don't know but and I read on and said, what are boys made of? And I thought. What are boys made of? Frogs and snails and puppy dog tails. And I thought, oh. I get it. My doctor is a girl doctor. Girls don't like boys. I'm definitely going to get a shot. And down the hall, in another room, a child screamed. And the scream went through the door, down the hallway, through my door, into my room. And I couldn't help but think that at any moment, I was going to hear the footsteps of my doctor come down the hallway. They were going to stop in front of my door. I would hear a clipboard being pulled off the, the door shelf. Papers would ruffle. And then the doorknob would turn. An inward walk, four foot eleven. Doctor Wong wearing her white jacket, willing to torture a child for her job. <laughs> and I got a shot. I suffered, but then I got a lollipop. <laughs> this woman, she didn't get a lollipop. She, she got more suffering. The Bible says she went to many doctors. They had physicians and surgeons in first century Palestine. But she went and she, she, she gained more suffering. Verse, it says she suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. And verse 26 also says she spent all that she had. Again, in first century Palestine, uh, it was a common uh, belief that a physician, I quote the Talmud, a physician who takes nothing is worth nothing. In fact, they weren't even allowed to give free medical service. And since she's been to many doctors, she spent all that that she had, and she suffered more. Did you hear about the man who got a call from his doctor? The doctor said, about these tests that we've done, I've got good news, and I've got bad news. What do you want to hear first? I think I'll, I'll have the good news first. The good news is you have 24 hours to live. I, I got 24 hours to live? What, doc, What? what's the bad news? The bad news is I couldn't reach you yesterday by phone. <laughs> she suffered a great deal. She went to a doctor. She went to doctors to get a remedy, and all she got was extra suffering. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus. Somehow she heard about the power, the presence, and the person of Jesus Christ, and faith rises up in her heart like a spark in the dark, like a shooting star through the night sky. And she, she decides, I'm going to go touch the garments of Jesus. Verse 27, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. I want to read you a quote from Oswald Chambers. It says this. If a person is ever going to do anything worthwhile, there will be times when he or she must risk everything by a leap in the dark. In the spiritual realm, Jesus Christ demands that you risk everything you hold on to or believe through common sense and leap by faith into what he says. And once you obey, you will immediately find that what he says is as solidly consistent as common sense. And common sense tells her, no, fear the future. No, accept that you're a failure. No, abandon your faith. But her faith says, no. In other words, it was saying, you will never amount to anything. And her face says, no, I will. I will mount up on wings as eagles. I will run to Jesus and I will not grow weary. I will walk through that crowd and I will not faint. And I will grab onto the garments of Jesus and I will be healed. And so she does. Verse 29. And immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body as that she was freed from her suffering. Point number two. When all else fails, Jesus. When all else fails, Jesus. Verse 30. Well, before we, let me just say this. I, uh, there's a lot of people in heaven, a lot of souls in heaven I'm going to ask questions of. I'm going to ask Peter, Peter, what was it like when you, stepped out of that boat, when you saw Jesus walking in the water and you said, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come. And he says, come. And you stepped out and you, and you walked on the waves. I'm going to ask Samson, what was it like when you ripped the bars, that the city gate off the city wall and carried it up a mountain? I'm going to ask a nameless woman, what was it like the moment you touched the hem of Jesus's garments? What was that like? Verse 30, at once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. I remember when I was playing hide and seek with my kids when they were were just young boys, and they loved to hide, and I would count. And I'd go like into a closet, you know, one, two, three. And I'd get on my phone and I'd start doing my devotions, you know, catching up. And 26, 27. Check my emails. 4,886. 500,000, here I come. And I'd go through the house. Fee, five oh, um, I smell a little one. Yes, I changed the words because otherwise the alternative would just be weird. (laughs) I smell the blood of an English... Like, who writes nursery anyway? And I go into the master bedroom... And my wife, has a, she, she, she has a, a warehouse of pillows on the bed, and the bed wasn't made, so blankets were on, and it looked, kids could hide in there. So I come to the master bedroom, <gasps> ah! and there's nobody there. And I look in, in the mirrored closet doors, I see under the bed two sets of legs. <laughs> they can't see me, but I can see them. And if you remember the Garden of Eden, after Adam and Eve had sinned and were hiding, they hear the sound of God walking in the garden. Mind you, in the cool of the day, not the heat of the day, because God never loses his temper. He always keeps his cool. In the cool of the day, and they're hiding, and God's like, Adam, Eve, where are you? Do you think he knew where they were? Yeah. Who touched me? Who touched? She had touched the garments of Jesus and got healed, but he's not done touching her heart. And he wants to do something more. Who touched? And she's trembling with fear. Christian, aren't we supposed to live by faith? Right? Live by faith. So faith isn't a one-time deal. Faith is something we have to do over and over. And so you have to be believing. When you pray, you pray believing. A lifetime of faith can be abandoned in a moment of doubt. Like Peter, he's walking on those waves. And all of a sudden, he looks at the effects of the wind and he looks at the waves and fear comes, doubt comes, and he falls through the very waves he's walking on. We have to be believing. And he says, Who touched me? She's so afraid, she's trembling, but her faith pushes through that fear. And she comes and, like Jairus, she falls at Jesus' feet. And from the gospel of Luke, we find out that Jesus brings out her testimony. And in front of everybody, she tells why she touched his garment and what happened. And so her testimony was told. But then also, but I love this. You got to get this. Jesus doesn't say woman. He doesn't say obscure woman or unnamed woman. He says, he says daughter daughter, your faith has made you well, go in peace. He takes a a woman with, with an identity without dignity and he gives her royalty. An identity without dignity and gives her an identity of royalty. Have you ever felt like a nobody? Like you just don't belong? like you don't belong here. It's kind of true, but kind of not true. Because listen, you have, God has a purpose for you in this life. He has a plan for you that he wants to fulfill. So don't cut that short. If you're listening by podcast, do not cut that short. Even think about taking your own life. Listen, God has a plan and a purpose for you. But you're a sojourner. Since you belong to Jesus, you belong with Jesus. And so you're on your way to eternal glory. You're a sojourner in this world. You're a foreigner passing through. But while you're here, you have a purpose. But you're royalty. God says you're nobility. Because you're his child. Matthew 21, verse 22 says, when you, when you pray, if you believe, you'll have what you ask for. And let me, let me clarify that. That's with the right motives. That's you're asking for the right stuff according to God's will, because according to James chapter four, right? You, you don't, you, you, we, we don't receive, you know, because we, we ask with wrong motives that we can spend what we get on ourselves. Ask. In faith, and what you pray in faith uh, will be done, so when all else fails there 's jesus when you can 't god can let 's pray. God thank you how your your word in scripture just um, just reminds us of of our inadequacies, but how great you are and how great your love is for us. I pray for everyone in this room, God, that this week you would help them to overcome whatever it is that they need to overcome, to have the faith to know that you can do anything. We love you, God. Amen.